All right, Alexander, let's talk about the growing relationship between Russia and Iran. And we have some big deals in, uh, in the energy sector, big deals in the military industry, the military sector. Um, talk about this north-south north uh, corridor as well. There's a lot of talk about that, but I mean, we're, we're very much in the early stages of, of all of that planning. But uh, a lot going on between Russia and, uh, and Iran. And then we have some curious statements from uh, Joe Biden that he made many, many years ago when he was of sounder, of sounder mind back in the, in the late 90s. So I, I don't know, which one do you want to start off with first? Well, I mean, the, the first thing to say is we, we do need to talk about this relationship between Iran and, the, uh, and Russia because it's now burgeoning. It's now developing extremely fast. We're starting to see major economic cooperation on a far bigger scale than anything we've seen before. And it is the North-South Corridor, actually, which in terms of economic cooperation is the key because it's been one of the most extraordinary facts about Iran and Russia, that though they are two neighboring countries, they both, you know, are that they're both connected through the Caspian Sea. And of course, previously, when it was the Soviet Union through Central Asia, but they haven't really developed good transport links between them. They've not been railways or, 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 or shipping routes across the Caspian. There's been nothing like that on any very big scale. And that is a reflection of the history, because historically, Russia and Iran have not always been friends. And that's putting it mildly. In the 18th century, they fought several wars with each other. They had political crises, all kinds of problems in the 19th century. In the 20th century, the situation, if anything, got worse because the Russians are firstly uh, just the period just before the First World War. And then again in the 1940s, tried to occupy large areas of Iran and tried to exert influence over Iran in that way, direct political influence, provoking a great deal of Iranian resistance. So that, And of course, during the Cold War, in the period of the Cold War, the Shah of Iran was very closely aligned with the United States. And then when he was overthrown, the uh, um, clerics who replaced him, well, they were pretty wary of the Russia as well, both for historic reasons and because whilst Russia was communist, well, they didn't really approve of a straightforwardly communist country. So there's a lot of history between the Russians and the Iranians. And historically, they have not been allies or even friends. But now that's all changing. And the Russians are buying drones and drone technology from Iran. And the reports now are circulating that they're going to start joint production of drones in Russia itself, in a city of Tolyati, where, by the way, the Lada cars are made, just, just to mention. But that's one report. They're going to involve themselves in all kinds of joint projects like that. There's now reports that the Russians are going to start supplying Iran with advanced Suhoi 35 fighter jets. There's even some reports saying that there's a S-400 air defense missile sale 
also on the way. We'll come to all of that in the moment. But the key thing is that they're now getting round finally to developing their transport corridors so that it'll be possible to send goods by rail and ship from Iran to Russia without the enormous problems, logistical problems, which have existed until fairly recently. And um, it will also mean that not only is the trade and activity going on, but lots of things like that, which they can then build on economic links. And that's useful for both countries. And if I can explain quickly why. Firstly, Iran produces lots of light consumer goods that Russia needs to import now that it's cut off from Europe. So, you know, Russia, Iran, world's best, finest carpets come from Iran, for example. I mean, that's indisputable. But Iran has a very large consumer goods handicraft industry, which the Russians could certainly benefit from. They're importing a lot of this sort of material from Turkey, but it's always nice to have Iran too. And of course, Iran is a major producer of energy, oil and gas. And of course, the Russians would want to tie up with Iran over that. And of course, so would the other BRIC states, China, India. They would also want to be able to develop a big energy complex with the Russians and the Iranians. And they can also cooperate in all kinds of other technologies, nuclear technologies and all kinds of things. And from an Iranian point of view, not only do they get access to what is a significant market and a significant source of investment and technology as well, but linking themselves up with Russia and through Russia with the other Eurasian economic giants. It gives Iran finally a route towards economic stabilization. It means that the Iranian economy isn't going to be pressured by the sanctions that it has been because its markets are restricted. It might eventually lead over time to falls in you know, the high inflation rates we see in Iran, to the instability of the Iranian currency. It could finally provide Iran with a stable, long-term economic future over which it could build. So it's the economic links which are the most obviously important. It's, if you like, another step in the construction of economic Eurasia. But of course, it's the military angle that is the one that's going to attract the immediate attention. And I can just anticipate there's a really scary article about uh, um, the fact that the Russians are now going to supply Sukhoi 35 fighter jets, apparently, to Iran, and perhaps S-400 missiles to Iran. And what is really scary for the national interest, which is one of these American foreign policy magazines, is not that Iran is going to use all these weapons to attack anybody, but that it can now defend its airspace. <laughs> and that means that the possibilities, you know, of just launching air attacks on Iran from Israel or Saudi Arabia or by the United States or whoever are going to become soon very, very much more difficult. And this, this is apparently a bad thing. It's terrible that the Iranians might before long 
have the tools finally to defend themselves. And um, this is something, as I said, that the Western powers, the United States at least, Israel perhaps, are really nervous about. Yeah. Uh <laughs> You know the the fact that Iran they've uh, they've weathered the sanction storm that the collective West put on put on it over the many many years they've managed to survive. Uh, Ra Russia beat out the uh, the economic sanctions, mm -hmm. shock and awe that the, the U.S. and the EU put uh, put against Russia. So many other countries have been getting sanctioned or have undergone color revolutions or regime changed or had their entities sanctioned or business people have had their assets confiscated, whatever it is. It's, it's like they've, they've done so much damage to the 80% the of the rest of the world, the collective West, that now you have the rest of the world aligning and they're yeah. finding avenues to work with each other, to trade whether it's in uh, consumer goods or military cooperations. I mean, this is, they've sanctioned so, so much of the world that the sanctioned world is now bigger than the, than the people that are doing the sanctioning. I mean, it's, this is an own goal. As that is exactly what it is, of course. That is exactly what's going to happen. And can I just say, I mean, Russia, of course, is a big country. You know, it, was, it has the legacy of the Soviet Union, which is for a long time the world's second biggest economy. So, you know, it's got enormous resilience and resources. And we've talked about this a lot. But if a country like Iran, which has never been in that kind of category, is able to, to weather the sanctions, if it can establish links with a country like Russia and the other Eurasian states, and finally stabilize and build its economy, despite all the West sanctions, then that is an even bigger blow to the whole sanctions, uh, I, I, well, shall we say, system than anything we have seen up to now. And you're absolutely right. It's the US pressuring everybody, bullying everybody, acting in this way, right back to the 1990s. And we're going to come back to that. There's interesting comments of President Biden, Senator Biden's, as he then was. Um, it's the US which has brought it all about. Yeah, to the point where the dollar as a reserve currency is now yeah. uh, in jeopardy. Is now in jeopardy. Well, let's you know, let's it, talk. It, Let's talk about Biden because I mean it's, it's uh, somebody has found. Yeah, this, let's. Yeah, this, I was going to this, say this, you, you this, gave this, the segue, so yeah, let, so, let's talk so let's about discuss, it because I, I mean uh, it, it's, Biden it's, in his better days. In his better days, well, okay. So this is this is apparently June nineteen ninety seven, and it's Biden talking about NATO expansion, and he was at the time a very very fervid supporter of NATO expansion. I'm sure we're all astonished to, to, to see that, uh, to, to, to know that. Anyway, so he, he does this speech, and as you rightly say, he's a younger Biden, <laughs> more active and mentally alert Biden than the one we have today, but in all other respects, he's Biden. Anyway, he comes along and he gives his speech, and he says, well, you know, the Russians <clears throat> have told him, have told him that, you know, if NATO is expanded, they will forge an alliance with China. Biden, this is hilarious. This is absurd. You know, Russians getting together with China. I mean, what a ridiculous idea. 
you know, and you know what he said to them was what he said to the Russians. Well, if that doesn't work, why don't you form an alliance with Iran? And he laughs, and everybody laughs. And in 1997, all of that is considered absurd. It's ridiculous. Everybody just thinks in America, this never happened. Russia and China coming together. Well, what's China? You know, it's you know dwarf compared to the US. What's Russia? You can just walk all over them. You don't have to listen to them over nature. Expansion. Uh, how Getting in touch, getting in alliance with Iran, where well, Iran's a basket case. Well, that's happened. <laughs> we now have a de facto alliance between the Russians and the Chinese. We now have what is now not just a de facto alliance, but what's increasingly look like, looking like a straightforward alliance between the Russians and the Iranians. All of these things which Biden was ridiculing and mocking and jeering about way back in the 1990s are coming to pass. And of course, it's a disaster from the United States and his administration today is trying to find some means to disrupt this network of alliances that have been created. But who ultimately is responsible? Well, we can see this in this very same video because ultimately he was told by the Russians, you press ahead with NATO expansion, all of these things are going to happen. And they have. Connected with the loss of empire, wounded pride, and most importantly, un uncertainty about Russia's place in the world of the 21st century. And were you in their spot, you would be the same in my view, and I would. Where do they go? I had one interesting comment, our conversation with Zaganov, which was repeated with Levitt. They talked about they don't want this NATO expansion, they know it's not in their security interests, and on and on, and said, well, and if you do that, we may have to look to China. And I couldn't help using the colloquial expression from my state by saying to Zaganov, lots of luck in your senior year. Um, you know, uh, good luck. And if, if that doesn't work, try Iran. Uh, yeah, but Biden has quite a history with, uh, with Russia, it seems. Quite a history. I believe he was one of, and it could be way off, but I believe he was one of the first uh, senators to actually visit the Soviet Union at a time. Yeah. I, I yes. believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. I mean, well, I see. He, he's got quite a history with. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 as, I, as I understand it, he even visited the Soviet Union before he became a senator way back in the 1960s. I mean, he's been there many times. And, I mean, it's difficult to work out exactly what went wrong. But. My own clear view is that he's developed an active dislike of the place. He seems to develop that during the time when he was vice president. He was clearly a major supporter of NATO expansion in the 90s. Well, maybe he didn't get the deals in Russia that he was looking for. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to say more because, you know, we have to be careful, but perhaps it didn't quite work out for him in that respect. But anyway, he's obviously never liked them or hasn't liked them for a long time. And um, the point is, the key point is he doesn't listen to them. They told him NATO expansion is a disastrous idea. Don't do it. It's going to force us into alliances with China didn't take that seriously in, 19, in the 1990s. He joked that they would then, the Russians would then look to form an alliance with Iran. They have formed an alliance with Iran 
even as they're allied with China too. So he brought it about, his own arrogance, his own lack of concern for what Russians, Russia's concerns were, his disregard of the Russians, his dislike of the Russians, his disrespect for the Russians. You see that, by the way, it comes across very vividly in this video as well. I mean, he doesn't take the Russians seriously. He clearly doesn't like them. And well, we see where it's ended. And of course, it's not only him. It's not even principally him. Because, you know, back in the 90s. Well, he was an important man, but he was only a senator. I think he was chair of the Foreign Relations Committee at the time, but I mean, I might be wrong about that. But he was clearly an important man, but he wasn't the key decision maker. The entire neocon mindset has eventually, of which Biden is a part, has led us, has led us to the situation we have now. Yeah, many people don't see Biden as a neocon, but he is in a way. Absolutely. I mean, he is a neocon. He is a neocon. I mean, I, look at his history. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at his I've never had any doubt about that. I mean, I mean, and, you know, if people say, well, you know, he's in it for what he can get, so are the neocons. <laughs> They're not any different there. I mean, that's a point people always need to understand. Uh, they may be ideologues to their fingertips, but with that ideological fervor, comes very powerful motivations of material self-interest. And people should be under no doubt about this. Yeah. All right. Uh, TheDuran.Locals.com. Look for us on Rockfin as well. And go to the Duran shop. 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.